0: Yami says this is our, well my last time of here, we, we will be here next week uh, before we leave on the Monday and I just want to take this opportunity to thank Yami for the amazing privilege that he's given me to be able to share his pulpit. It's a brave pastor who shares his pulpit with people that he doesn't really know when they do it the first time. And Yami trusted me to do that, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And also thank you to you guys for, for the love that we felt um, over the last year, as we've worshiped with you, and uh, as we've been part of this amazing family. Um, we're really gonna miss you when we go back to the UK, but we're gonna keep in touch. So uh, uh, yeah, thank you for, for everything. Let's, Father God, by your spirit, may my spoken words be faithful to your written word and lead us to your living word, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yami said last week that we're going to take 13 weeks. Can I suggest that we could actually spend 14 weeks just on on verses 4, 5, 6 and 7 I counted there are 14 attributes of love mentioned in those verses and we could easily spend a week on each of them I'm going to invite Lindsay to come up and just read those verses It's no wonder 1 Corinthians 13 is in the top 10 of the most popular readings at weddings. It is the most amazing chapter on love, but it's not just romantic love. It's not just the love that I have for Lindsay and she has for me or you have for your your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever it covers much more than that and we're going to see that who is um, a guy I admire greatly Um, if Yammy is making those comparisons with me then Tom Wright is going to be here kind of standing next to me today because there's a few things that I'm sharing with you that are, are in his commentary on 1 Corinthians. He says, and we'll hear about this again later, that you should go through a passage like this slowly and prayerfully because there is just so much in these few verses. I mean, the whole chapter, but these four verses, four, five, six, and 7, have got so much stuff in them that it's absolutely... So we need to think about what love is. And here we fall over a problem. And that problem is the English language. Now, I am biased. I think the English language is the most beautiful, most colourful most amazing language in the world but every so often we kind of fall flat on our face the Inuit people of the far north of uh, Canada and Alaska where it is really, really really cold like minus a lot have got 80 Eight words for snow. That's stuff that you never see here, but we see occasionally. Ted and Laurie see quite a lot when they're back in the, in, in the States. But they have 80 words for snow, and it describes how it's falling, how it's lying, the texture of the, the snow, how hard it's coming down, and so on and so forth. In English, we have one word snow. And it's the same with love. In English, we have one word, love. Okay, we have affection and fondness, which kind of bolt in there. But love, and this, I think, has become part of the problem when we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13 because immediately we see love and we think of romantic love and romantic love is really only a, a, a signpost to, the, to what Paul is talking about here in ancient Greek they had loads of words all you need is love all you need is love but which type? agape is one type of love. It's the love of God for men and of men for a good God. It's called agape, and it's one of the one of the words for love that they had in ancient Greek. And it's um, it's used in texts to denote feelings for your children, and feelings for a spouse. And it was sometimes a love feast. Uh, That's agape. Eros. And this is the word that we get erotic from. And this is the romantic love. This is the boy meets girl and all the fireworks go off and it's, wow! This is Eros. But it's also, it was also... um, a way of looking at beauty so it's it's erotic love it's a love of beauty. and this is brotherly love and this is where in america we get on and in the northeast of england where i come from uh and i think we got it first is philadelphia we have washington new york and philadelphia all within about 3 miles of each other and I think people went from there to America and thought the name's so good we'll call it, you know, we'll name it twice. (laughs) But Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. And it's named after Philia. So we have Agape, we have Eros, we have Philia. One called Xenia. And this is the love of hospitality. This is the love of having people in your house, sharing a meal, sharing hospitality, being together, okay? There's a slightly less old, old Greek, and that's called koinonia, and that is the Christian Fellowship. It's the love we have for God and the love we have for each other. Koinonia is, is us lot together. We are exhibiting and illustrating Koinonia all the time when we're together. Now there are, there are loads of others but these are five key ones I think for And why I think it's important is because this passage covers at least all of those, as we'll see. But it's easy to take chapter 13 as a kind of standalone. It's a stream of consciousness that Paul suddenly went, Hey, I've had an idea. I've got to get this down on paper right now. Bang! And out comes all this teaching on love. But as Yami said last week, you've got to read 13 in context of 12 and I think in context of 14. But certainly in context of 12 because there Paul is talking about all of these amazing spiritual gifts that we can have and we do have. And some of us exercise them and some of of us don't do it quite as much. But Paul comes in on... On verse 1 of chapter 13 says I can have all of these gifts but if I haven't got love I'm nothing I can do all these amazing things I can speak in tongues I can prophesy I can I can I can but if I haven't got love it's a waste of time so we need to read chapter 13 in the context of chapter 12, but we still need to understand that this amazing teaching on love is about romantic love. There was a post on talking about what success looks like, and I don't know if we can get the the picture shared. Absolutely amazing. It's a picture of a little boy sitting with a mole as you do. There he is. What do you think success? Is? asked the boy. To love, said the mole. I can be the most successful businessman, entrepreneur, preacher. Father, husband, whatever. But if I don't do it with love, if I don't have love, my success is rubbish. Just just leave that up there now. We'll there it's gone. So, today's reading is very simple verse. Last time I preached, I preached on two and a half chapters. Today I'm preaching on one verse. But what of Love is kind, not proud. Just think about that for a minute. It's kind. Doesn't that's what the NIV, that's how that, it translates it. Tom Wright in his commentary, he translates the Bible himself. He has his own translation of the Bible. He says, Love is great hearted. Love is kind. Knows no jealousy. Makes no fuss. Is not puffed up. I love that phrase. That's a very English phrase. If somebody's puffed up, they're all kind of, Whoa, look at me. Aren't I great? And love is not like that. Love is not like that. So Tom Wright says what Paul has in mind when he's writing these words is something which, though like our other loves in some ways, and I'll explain that in a minute, it goes as far beyond them as sunlight is to candles or electric light. Our other loves... It's not just love for spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, blah 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 blah. I love cricket. I love rugby. I love Manchester United. Shame we can't play at the moment, but there we go. <laughs> so we have these other loves. You know, I I I <laughs> I love eating. <laughs> but but what Paul is saying is that what we describe as love here is as far removed from what love really is as a candle is from the sun they both give light and heat but to feel the heat of the candle you've got to sit right on top of it and to read a book by candlelight you've got to have the book right by the candle but we could walk out of that door now and we can feel the heat of the sun and we can we can see where we're going because of its light And that's the difference between our thoughts and our definitions of love and what love really is. And what love is calling us to do is to live counter-cultural lives. We live in a certain culture, but what love is telling us to do is forget that and live in a completely different way. You're going to get laughed at, you're going to be told you're stupid, you're naive but that is what love is calling us to do and that's what we're going to look at as we go through this. It is really countercultural. So let's look at these things uh, in a bit more detail. Love is patient. I'm not very good at this. I am not very good at patience. My prayer is, Lord, give me patience. But give it me now. (laughs) Love is patient. We live in a world of instant gratification. We have fast food. We have fast cars. We look for the fastest internet speed or the fastest smartphone, or the fastest internet connection. We are not patient because of the world that we live in, because of the culture we live in. And love is telling us to be counter-cultural. It's saying, be patient. Paul is saying, when the world is rushing past you, Just stop, take a breath, and take your own time. Take time to enjoy a meal with your friends. Take time to enjoy your friends. And when you do, turn your phone off. Forget the television, forget the internet. Spend time with your friends and actually spend time with them rather than saying, oh yeah, that's interesting, oh hang on, uh, I've got to take this. No, turn it off, take time, be patient. It is a very countercultural way of living. And you never know, by being patient in this way, you might find something that needs sorting out. We had a very dear friend in our church in Newcastle. Oh, can I just tell you a quick story? We had a wonderful piece of news this week. Another friend of ours in our church in Newcastle celebrated her birthday on Tuesday. So what? She was a hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing, and we're so pleased because we hadn't heard. She's moved away from where she was living, so we haven't heard about her for a while. And we saw this on Facebook, and we thought, brilliant! And we're hoping to be able to see her when we go back. So, yeah, so she was 100. Anyway, Bob. Bob Hamilton was a church warden, one of the officials of the church. He had been for years. And he was getting on in years, and he always sat in the same place. And we always used to walk past him when we went to our seat, and we said, Morning, Bob, okay. And he'd go, Yeah, okay. And we were away. One day we walked in and said, Morning, Bob, everything okay? And he went, Well, no, not really. What's the problem? And it turned out he'd had a break in the night before. Thieves had broken into his house and taken some stuff and that was bad enough but the main problem was the police then came along and they used fingerprint dust on everything. Bob and his wife had collected all kinds of tea services which were in locked cabinets which had not been unlocked or broken so nothing had been taken out of them. But the police unlocked them and fingerprinted every cup and saucer and, pl- and plate and dish and bowl and then just left it. And the place was a mess and he couldn't cope. So we went round in the afternoon and literally washed every cup, saucer, plate, dish, bowl in his house that was covered in gray fingerprint dust. Because we took the time, rather than just rushing past him like we normally did, to have a bit of patience and to stop and say, Is everything okay? Love is patient. Love is so countercultural, it's unbelievable. Love is kind. Kindness is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 22 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That whole list that's up on there, that whole list is totally countercultural. Absolutely against everything that the world stands for. And yet that is what we are being called to how we are being called to live the attitude of the world at this point is i am entitled to this so give it to me and i don't care how much it's going to cost you to give it to me but that is mine that's what the world says there's an American preacher um, called R.T. Kendall. I, I don't know what the R.T. stands for, um, but he's, he's a, great, um, a great preacher and a great writer, and we heard him at the Keswick Convention some years ago, and he puts it beautifully. The world says, get what you can, can what you get, and then sit on the can so nobody else can get it. (laughs) Get what you can, can what you get, and then sit on the can so nobody can get it. That is what the world says. That is what the world is saying to each and every one of us 24-7. There's only one person who matters, and that's you. You get what you want. You get what you deserve. You get what you're entitled to. And blow the rest of the world... But that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying Paul is kind. Paul go, uh, love is kind. That, that love goes out of its way to help other people, to put other people first. And that's what we should be doing. He hits the nail on the head once again. Paul is such a good writer as a writer myself, it makes me think, why do I bother? (laughs) Because he gets it right so many times. He talks in Ephesians 5 about rules for um, Christian households. We covered this in his writings in Colossians a few months ago. I know that because I preached on it as well. But in, in Galatians 5, we very often jump straight into, wives, obey your husbands. Nuff said. Wives, obey your husbands. Oh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. Oh, okay, I've got that now. But before that, there is this little verse that is often missed. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, Yami, how can I be Submitted to you today. What can I do for you? Laurie, what can I do for you today? That's what we're looking at and meaning it. Submitting yourself, putting yourself under somebody else to help them to be, to be kind. To, kind is a uh, bit of a wishy-washy word because it, sometimes you can feel that if you're being kind to somebody, there's the chance that they're going to walk right over you Kindness is a strong thing because it is so countercultural and it's so important in our relationships. Then we move on to what seem like negatives. It, love, does not envy, it's a negative. Oh, we've been so positive. With love is this is why I called it love is love is not we 've been so positive with love is patient and love is kind, but love does not envy, but this is a positive. it sounds strange saying that when there 's a negative word in there, but it is a positive thing to do you do not envy if you want if you want a biblical interpretation of this look in the book of exodus the tenth of the ten commandments you shall not covet that's another word for envy your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his or his male or female servant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor it's in the ten commandments folks do not envy anything Because that's where the negativity comes in. If you start envying what your neighbor's got, if you start envying what your workmate's done and achieved, if you start envying something that your spouse has done that is getting him or her acclaim, then you're going to get into trouble. Because envy makes us jealous, and jealousy makes us aggressive. Aggressive and aggression can lead us to do all sorts of things to people. Do you want another biblical illustration? Paul, uh, sorry, David, that's it, I'll get there eventually. David was sitting in the palace and he saw a beautiful woman and he forgot you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And he thought, I want her. And because of his envy, he went and he got her. And he slept with her and she became pregnant. But then, because of the envy and the jealousy that was flying around in his head, he then arranged for her husband to be put at the front of the battle so he would be killed. Now he was probably saying he would die a hero. Nathan said, you murdered him. Envy makes us jealous and jealousy makes us aggressive and aggression can lead us to do all sorts of awful things to other people. Love does not envy. Love is patient and kind. Love goes the extra mile for people. If your neighbor, your workmate, your spouse, your child is achieving something amazing And they're getting all the accolades that are going. Don't envy them. Don't be jealous of them. Build them up. Be proud of them. Now, you will notice in a minute or two, I'm going to say love is not proud. That's love of self. Lindsay had an exhibition at mandala an art exhibition last year and i was incredibly proud of what she achieved to put that on and what she achieved on the night when there was all these strangers coming up to her and talking to her about why are you an artist how did you how do you do it what do you do blah 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 (coughs) our daughters back in the uk they they were here over christmas i'm incredibly proud of what they are achieving That kind of pride is fine. We'll see the other side in a minute. But don't be envious of other people's success. Celebrate with them. Especially if it's somebody who you are close to. But I've seen so many times in relationships where this has caused a little crack in the relationship. And then it's like a, a house where a wall gets a crack and over time the crack gets bigger and bigger and bigger until part of the wall falls down and I've seen those relationships crack and the crack get bigger and bigger until the relationship falls away all because somebody was envious of somebody else. It does not boast. Love does not boast. Ooh. Boasting is a, it, uh, it's a... It's a difficult thing because sometimes you're doing it without realizing it. Sometimes you're doing it and you know full well you're doing it. In the New Testament, we hear of a, of a Pharisee And he goes. This is where we're getting puffed up. He walks into the synagogue or into the temple. And he puts his big bag of money into the collection box. And he says, oh, I am so good. I give all this money away. I am so good. Just look at me. How brilliant am I? Just look at all my fine clothes. Oh, this is great. I've really got it all together. And in the corner there's a little tax collector who says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's not the boastful Pharisee that gets the accolade from Jesus. It's the little tax collector cowering in the corner. Boasting says, look at me, I've got everything together. I'm better than anyone else here. I've got it, I've got the house, I've got the car, I've got the clothes, I've got the job, I've got the wife, the kids are all brilliant. Oh, just look at me. But love doesn't do that. Love comes along and just wants to help. It doesn't put itself first. It puts the other person first. And if that person's boasting... You may have problems. But it's it's difficult. I said sometimes you can boast without realizing it. And I have problems. I have problems with celebrities and sports people um, who have lots of money and give it away. Now, I'm not, I haven't got problems with them giving it away. But what I have problems with is how they then go on the internet and say, hey, I've just given half a million US dollars to the Australian Firefighting Appeal. Aren't I great? Or I'm going to give uh, $10,000 for every ace that I serve in this tennis match or the tennis matches I'm playing uh, in January. Great fantastic I love what you're doing but why do you have to tell everybody like that Jesus says when you pray go into your room shut the door and keep quiet why can't we do that when we give every year Newcastle United and I guess every other premiership and football team around the country around the UK at Christmas go into children's hospitals and give presents and show and, and spend time with the kids who are going to be in hospital over Christmas. Fantastic. But why do you have to take the television crew with you? Why do you have to take the, the newspaper reporters with you? Can't you just do it for the sake of doing it? And, and this is a type of boasting. And it kind of grates because what they're doing is fantastic but they're boasting about it just to get more kudos in the community boasting is everyday life it's around us all the time but love doesn't do that it gives things without looking for publicity it helps people without putting it on facebook and saying hey i've just been and." Taking a meal to somebody who was ill, aren't I great? Woohoo! That's the countercultural side, and that's what we've got to be doing. Love is not proud. Now I said that I am incredibly proud of what Lindsay did, and I'm incredibly proud of what my my our girls are doing. And I think that's okay. I think pride in other people is fine. It's pride in self. It goes with boasting. Because if you're boasting, you're going to be proud. You are going to be walking down the street in Blantyre, all puffed up, all full of yourself, proud of what you've achieved, and you're going to expect the people on the pavement as you walk down to part like the Red Sea, and stand there as you walk past, and for them to sing a quick chorus of how great thou art. That's pride. Man is that pride. Pride in yourself is boastful, is very unattractive. And again, love is not proud in itself. It's proud in what other people are doing. It's lifting people up. It's saying, that's a really good job. You've done fantastically there. You've just got that new promotion. Brilliant. Well done. You've passed your exams. You're going to be a doctor. Fantastic. That's pride in other people for what they've achieved. It's not pride in, hey, I've just got a great promotion. I'm now top of the heap. Look at me. Do I hear how great thou art? Countercultural, again, everything patience, kindness, not envying, not boasting, not being proud. Is against everything that the world is telling us we should be. And that is what Paul is calling us, how Paul is calling us to live. That is what he wants us to do when we think about love. But how do we apply this? Especially when we're thinking that love is not just erotic love, romantic love. We need to go back to what we were saying before about agape and eros and philia and xenia and koinonia, because I believe love overarches all of those. I said romantic love is a, is a, a signpost to other types of love. I think, in many ways, Lindsay and I have moved a little way away from the romantic love, certainly as it was 38 and a half, 39 years ago. But other aspects of the loves that we've talked about are stronger now than they were when we first met. And I can put my hand on my heart and say I love her more now than I did when we got married. Because we've worked things through, we've seen how love works, we've seen how when you hit a roadblock, how can love get you through it, rather than just going, oh, that's it, enough, I'm I'm gone, I'm done we've seen how to work through problems we've seen how to bring up two incredible young ladies and we we look at them we looked at them again at at Christmas and we thought how on earth have you turned out like that with us two as parents but over time by working hard as my dad said the only piece of advice I'm giving you about marriage is work hard at it good advice dad We've gone from out and out, fireworks, um, romantic love, through the different types of love, and they've all overarched us, and they've all helped to form us as people, as a couple, as a family. And that is the important thing. Do not... Do not read 1 Corinthians 13 with rose-tinted glasses on, thinking of this as just a marriage chapter, thinking of this as just Hollywood, romance, violins and roses, the big finale. It is much, much more than that. it's going to take a lot of hard work to live and to love patiently and kindly and and, and without envying and without boasting and without pride because as i say all of that is so countercultural to the to the world and the culture in which we live today but that is what paul is calling us to do I want to go back to Tom Wright. In his commentary, he says, perhaps the best thing to do with a passage like this is to take it slowly, a line at a time, or I would suggest, he's looking at the whole of verses 4 to 7, I would say a phrase at a time, and to reflect on at least three things First, ways in which we see this quality, kindness, patience, not envying, the way we see this quality in Jesus himself. Second, ways in which we see, or more likely, don't see, this quality in ourselves. And third, ways in which if we were like that, in other words if we were showing that quality how would we see it work out in practice the amazing thing about verse 4 of 1 corinthians 13 it's 17 words 17 words, that's all, and yet they are some of the most difficult, powerful, life-changing, life-affirming words that have ever been written. And this is how we are supposed to be living. This is how we are supposed to be working through our relationships with these 17 words and the rest of the ones that come that that whoever's going to be preaching up here over the next few weeks is going to go through. 17 words that could change a life dare I say it could change a city Could change a country if everybody was patient with each other and kind to each other and didn't envy each other and weren't boastful and weren't proud of their achievements how much better would this place be and that's what love is calling us to do and to be so my challenge to you for the next week read and slowly meditate and pray through each of the five attributes of love that we've looked at today just verse four i don't want you to go through the rest of them so monday patience tuesday love wednesday not envying thursday not being boastful friday not being proud One a day for the working week. Sit down and think about them. But as you think about them, think about what Tom Wright said. How do we see that quality in Jesus? How do we see patience modelled by Jesus? How do we see not being boastful? modeled by Jesus how do we see or not see that quality in ourselves when have I not been patient when have I not been kind when have I been envious so look at how that quality is impacting on you how can we make changes to make sure that that quality is rooted in our hearts and our minds and is how we want to live from today on? And what changes do I need to make to live in a loving and countercultural way? You probably don't realize this, but we are all revolutionaries. A revolutionary is somebody who stands up against the status quo. The Bolsheviks in, 19, uh, in, in the 1917, 18, 19 didn't like the way the was was running things, so they revolted and they set up their own system. And that has been going on ever since. And this group of people here, under our leader, we are all revolutionaries. Or at least we should be. We should be going out there. We want to awake a city of hope. Well, if we're going to do that, we've got to work against the system that's making it hopeless. We have got to take this love, the agape, the eros, the philia, the zenia, the koinonia, we have to take that love out of that door and into the lives of the people that we meet. We have to be patient with them. We have to be kind to them. We have to stop envying them whatever they do. We need to stop boasting about how great this place is. I mean don't please because it is great but we have to do it in such a way that makes it attractive to people and not a complete turn-off. And we have to be careful. Oh man, Christians need to be so careful that we don't come over as pr- proud and arrogant. It is so easy to do. There is only one way to eternal the life and we've got it. You haven't. What are you going to do about it? Hey, look at me. I've got it. I'm sorted. Ho, ho, ho. We have to be so careful on that one. But that's what we've got to do. We've got to go out of here today and we've got to start a revolution. We've got to get in touch with all the other churches in Blantyre. And we've got to start a really big revolution. If we're going to really awaken a city of hope. Because of the love that we can show them that Jesus has for them. And we show them that love through our lives, through our words, through our actions. By being patient and kind and not envious and not boastful and not proud. And all the stuff that's going to come over the next few weeks. 17 words are absolutely life-changing and that's what we need to take away from us today